everything is fine, and I'm not cursed. What's that in your hand, Roger? Everybody, welcome back to Witch Fix. Today we're looking at a movie that apparently the entire world loves, and I'm the weird one because I think it's shit. So um, today I watched Drag Me to Hell from 2009. It's the first time I've ever seen this movie. I remember there being huge marketing for it when it came out, like gonzo marketing. It was everywhere. Everyone was talking about it. It was like the film all the people I went to school with were going to see. It was this big horror film it was advertised a lot on telly and i just never watched it and today i did and i don't see what the fuss was about so this movie came out in 2009 it was written uh, and directed by sam raimi and i think his brother as well uh sam raimi from like the evil dead movies and the spider men's that came out when i was younger not the more recent spider-man or even the more more recent spider-man and apparently this film was hugely successful. It made $90 million and it won the award for Best Horror Film at the 2009 Scream Awards and the 2010 Saturn Awards. So, like, this this, this made a lot of money. It was seen by a lot of people. The critical response was very positive. Did they see a different film is what I'm asking myself. Or is it that in 2021, tastes are just so different that if this movie came out, like, next week everyone would think it was the same way that I think about it, which is that it's a hot turd on toast. So to begin with, I watched this movie because apparently it has a curse in it and the blurb on the little jacket copy that I have says, a lone officer ordered to evict an old woman from her home finds herself the recipient of a supernatural curse which turns her life into a living hell. Desperate, she turns to a seer to try and save her soul while evil forces work to push her to breaking point. So... That, that's generally the subject of the film. Interestingly, in the teeny tiny little picture of the cover, because this came in one of them little love film wallets, um, it says at the top, a uh, quote, the scariest movie of the decade. This movie was not scary. So we'll start there. Uh, now, I thought, obviously, old woman, curse, maybe we're looking at a witch here. It turns out that we're not looking at a witch, we're looking at an old Romany woman, I assume, because they use the G racial slur to describe who she is, and I'm not going to repeat it, um, but a big theme of the movie seems to be how alternate religious practices and the people of other religions and cultures, my god how ridiculous and creepy and horrifying they are. So that's a great message. Anywho, getting into the movie, I was kind of hyped because the trailers that come before it are for movies that I have watched and loved. For example, Daybreakers, cracking film about vampires, My Bloody Valentine 3D, It's a Turd, but it's a fun turd, and also The Orphan, which is a horror film with a great little twist at the end. So I was like, I have seen and respect these films for what they are. Maybe I can enjoy Drag Me to Hell. And there were elements of it that I did enjoy. It then did ruin them. So 
Let's get into it. We start in 1969 in California. Two people arrive at the church. Well, I thought it was a church, but later they call it a house. But it looks like a big-ass church. I don't know. Uh, they have a son with them who is hearing voices. Uh, apparently, this all started when he stole a necklace from a G-word racial slur wagon. And although they tried to give it back, they didn't take it back. So, he'd been cursed. They take him to a woman there and ask for her help. They quickly organise a sort of seance-type exorcism scenario inside. But shit gets real fucky real quick because the kid gets, like, dragged away from them and flung over on a balcony, like, two stories down onto a marble floor. He gets up, don't worry. Uh, but as soon as he does, the floor underneath him cracks apart, showing fiery glints, and these creepy hands come out and drag him to hell and the woman who was doing the seance slash exorcism thing vows to this unseen creature that they will meet again this was a great opening a lot happened it wasn't like eye-wateringly bad special effects it was pretty jumpy there was like lots of music cues i will say that the music in this movie far and away the best aspect the music's really great although sometimes it does just go for the loud volume startle rather than an actual scare then we get some credits. Uh, we see some like woodcuts of demon hands and flies and screaming women. And we see something that says it takes three days for the curse to develop. So that's our timeline for the movie. Some of those days are not like the others. Some of those days last for four years. We then meet a woman. This is our main character, Christine. She's blonde and inoffensive. She's in a car doing like elocution exercises to try and lose an accent. Um... I don't really know where this bit's here. It doesn't really factor that much into the movie. We find out that she works in a bank. She wants to be the assistant manager. And it becomes very quickly apparent that she is probably not going to get that promotion. Because this new guy, Stu, is being real schmoozy. He's greasing up to the boss. He's getting in his good books. And her boss even says, you know, Stu knows how to make the tough decisions. Stu is what we're looking for in assistant manager. Uh, Stu is also pushing his luck because he like gets her to go out and get him a sandwich and it's like okay could you be any more on the nose of a sexist disrespectful douchebag but there we go she goes out uh, she goes to visit her boyfriend on her lunch break now I thought his name was Roger but later on I swear they call him something else but for the purposes of this review his name is Roger so according to Wikipedia, her boyfriend's name is Clay, which fits in with the fact that his parents call him Clayton. How did I hear that his name was Roger? I mean, it doesn't really matter. None of my points about the movie being bad were about the main character's names. So I think I'm in the clear here, but somehow I heard Roger. I really wish that subtitles had been working on my copy, but um, yeah, apparently his name was Clay the whole time and none of us knew. Or maybe just me. Anyway, Roger is a, a professor of psychology, so he's probably going to be our resident non-believer. She fixes his printer for him, which is not relevant, but then gives him a coin, which she got at the bank, which like came through, which is a rare coin, and he collects them. So I guess she's just like good girlfriend material. However, when she leaves, he gets a phone call and she overhears him talking to his mother, who clearly does not think much of Christine. She wants Roger to go and date someone from Harvard who can do things for him socially and not some little farm girl like what Christine is. So she's a little bit upset. Uh, she arrives back to work and gets told that she got the wrong sandwich. So really, that's just putting the shit nail in today's shit day coffin. 
But then she is interrupted in her thoughts of presumably ending stew with a letter opener by the arrival of a gross old woman. And this is sort of where I started to not enjoy the movie, because up until this point, I was having a reasonably good time. It made sense. It was well paced. There was like good music. It was shot really well. Like the direction on this is really good. And this took a turn because what this movie is to me is The Conjuring by way of scary movie and not one of the good scary movies, one of the later ones. Because I was watching this scene with the old lady and I was like, this reminds me so much of the bit in one of the scary movies where they do the grudge and there's the lady trying to like take care of this old woman and she keeps getting like pee on herself or like the old woman like dribbling on her. It's just that kind of gross out stuff that I don't really find funny. And I was kind of thinking, so if this movie was in a scary movie, what would they do differently in this scene to make it fit into a scary movie? And the answer is nothing, because it's all been done in this scene. This scene is ridiculous. Because this old lady comes in and she's got one milky eye and she's got her little headscarf, babushka style, uh, and she comes in and she's hacking up globs of, like, bright yellow phlegm, peeling out her disgustingly discoloured false teeth to set them on a handkerchief on the table and steal hard candies, tapping her filthy nails on the desk. And it's like, this is just ridiculous levels. Like, this movie, according to the cover, is the scariest movie of the decade, but what it appears to be is a horror comedy. So I feel like it was either mismarketed on purpose or people actually genuinely found it scary, which cannot possibly be the case. But there we go, this gross old woman arrives, there's lengthy gross-out scenes while she's doing all this gross stuff. Christine listens to her tale of woe, and the old lady is basically saying that her house is being repossessed because she's had, like, two extensions on her mortgage already and has lost the sight in one eye and can't work. Never explained what her job is. I'm gonna say embroidery. Um, and just because that would require two eyes, surely. What else is she doing? Is she a docker? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, she goes to speak to the manager and the manager's like, I don't know, this is your decision, Christine. Make the tough decision. And Christine takes one look at that assistant manager chair and is like, fuck it, this woman's going on the streets. So she goes over to the old lady who has stolen all of her hard candies and is like, I'm sorry, we can't give you a third extension on your loan. And then the old lady, bless her, uh, gets down on like her knees on the floor and begs Christine for another extension, begs her, kisses the hem of her skirt and begs uh, just for a little bit more time. And Christine recoils in horror, calls security and has the woman dragged out of the bank. This is an interesting scene because I kind of don't see what Christine's doing wrong here. Obviously, it would be lovely if she was to turn around to this woman and be like, of course, we'll give you another extension. Don't you worry your pretty little head about it. Please take your teeth and totter off home. But in reality, if one person who works in a bank says, oh, actually, I don't really want to evict this person, they'll just get someone else to do it. It's not Christine's call here, although her boss is saying that it is. Eventually, someone's going to take this woman's house because she can't pay for it. And I felt like th this is kind of a weird thing for Christine to get all this heat about when really she's being painted like she's doing this hugely selfish thing. But really, she is but a tiny cog in a big machine. And the big machine's going to machine whether she's in it or not. She gets a pat on the head and a biscuit from her boss who's like, you're a good girl. You learned how to put people out on the streets. Anyway, and then at the end of the day, she takes some files home to do some extra work and 
It goes into the empty nighttime parking garage where the next horror bit can happen. And we see the old lady's car parked opposite hers. Christine's a little bit scared. She gets into the car. A CGI handkerchief blows across the car park. And we get a jump scare when it hits the window. By which I mean like we are made to jump by the suddenly loud music. Which is again something that I don't like in horror films. Don't startle me. Frighten me. Those are different things. Anywho, there's quite a nice subtle scare here, which is actually a scare, where the handkerchief kind of blows around the car, like outside, and your eye is following it, and then you become aware of the silhouette of the old lady sitting in the back of the car. That's a good scare. I liked that. What I didn't like was what followed, which is another one of those scary movie bits, because uh, the old lady grabs Christine's hair and pulls her head back, and I was like, oh, okay, so she's just going to pull her back and then mutter a curse in her ear and leg it. No, uh, there's a fight scene, sort of, with kind of comedy fight scene music. Um, so she pulls her hair, Christine grabs a stapler from the passenger seat and staples the old lady's bad eye shut, and then staples her a couple of more times in the forehead. They scrap for a while, uh, Christine then accelerates the car and crashes, causing the old lady to fly through the windscreen. The staple pops off of her eye with a sound effect. Her false teeth fly out with another sound effect. So there might as well be slide whistles at this point. Uh, she then stabs the old woman in the throat with a ruler. Uh, which she then coughs back at Christine like a projectile. Um, she then collapses outside of the car and Christine yells, I beat you, you old bitch! Which, no Christine. Bad Christine. The old lady then pops up screaming, clutching a boulder or a large chunk of concrete, smashes in the window, and then finally takes a button from Christine. Apparently that's all she was trying to do. So why did she have to like hide in the car and then scream on her? I'm leaving out a whole section where she lost her false teeth and then sucked aggressively on Christine's chin for a while. But anyway, she takes a button, she does a short chant, she gives the button back to Christine and says, soon it will be you who comes begging to me. And then she leaves. Christine, I guess, briefly loses consciousness because when she wakes up on the ground, she has a fly on her face and the cops have arrived. Roger consoles Christine and she feels bad. She says she feels bad about not giving this lady another chance. But again, she's just literally doing her job. This woman has already had two extensions. I feel like if they wanted her to be actually the bad guy in the scenario, this could have been the first extension because then it is very hard line, very like, oh, no, we're not giving you any chances. But really, this woman has had all the chances that she ever needed. So, yeah, I just don't get it. Anyway, she gets followed by a weird wind full of leaves. And they stop outside of a fortune teller business. And she says she wants to go in. Roger, because he's our resident dickhead skeptic, is all like, uh, I don't know about that. But they go in and they meet the seer, who is a very nice man. Uh, he says that he'll read her fortune for $60, which seems high. Um, but there we go. They go in and Roger's been a pain in the ass and talking about Freud. Roger can fuck off. The seer then guesses a lot of things correctly about Christine, or I guess like intuits them through seeriness, whether you think he's like actually doing it or not. Maybe it's just patter up until a certain point. But he says that she works with money. She recently had a button taken from her. And then we get like a really long wind up for a scare. It gets very tense. The shadows moving around. Pages are flipping glass, slowly splintering wind coming in from somewhere. And then a jump scare vision of the devil or something devilish. 
He then sends her away and tries to give her a refund. And when she persists in asking what's wrong, he tells her that a dark spirit has come on her. And then he's like, did you play with the Ouija board? Did you spit on an old woman? Did you do this? Did you do that? And it was kind of funny that he was going down this list of like horror movie stuff. And then he says that she's probably cursed. And uh, Roger gets her out of there and is like, oh, that guy's just a fraud trying to get return business. Don't worry about it. Roger then drops her home with her very cute kitten. More on this kitten later. None of it good. He then goes, I guess, back to pick up her car or have her car towed or something. And she does some work on her computer and then cooks something. Out of her cookbook comes this picture of, like, her, but horribly photoshopped to look fat with a pig in, like, a pig contest from when she lived on a farm. And she throws that away. Again, this isn't hugely relevant. Uh, she hears creaking above her and then scraping and squealing of metal outside. But turns out that's a gate. And that it's not the gate. Wind coming in again. Ooh, wind. Uh, Demon Shadow starts smacking her around, gives her a bloody lip, and then Roger returns. And he initially thinks that the old woman followed her home and attacked her, uh, but then becomes convinced that she's just experiencing, like, PTSD or something where she's just reliving the event. And I guess hurt her own lips somehow. They plan a trip to his family's cabin, which is going to happen later on. Or will it? And while they're asleep that night, a fly enters through the window, goes into her nose and then crawls into her mouth and down her throat. Uh, she gets like a nightmare scene where she turns over and it's not Roger in the bed, it's the old woman. And then the old woman vomits a load of worms and bugs into her face because this movie has no subtlety. And then she wakes up from the nightmare, but she still has a fly in her. At this point, it's like... I don't know, like 30 minutes into the movie. And the movie's only an hour, like an hour and 30 minutes long. So a third of the runtime is gone and we're still on the day she gets cursed. This day thing is like, this first day goes on forever. This curse lasts three days. And somehow day two kind of passes in the blink of an eye. And day three is basically non-existent. It's because we spend so long on day one. And a lot of it is just like these repetitive jump scare sequences, like where the wind will chase her around for a little bit. So... At this point, I was kind of starting to feel that it was dragging and I'd run out of patience because of the stupid, overlong, weird comedy fight scene. Finally, when it gets to the next day, Christine goes to work and she hears the fly buzzing around in her stomach, which is deeply concerning. Stu is still being a dick and he comes over to like hassle her at her desk and she hallucinates that he has the lady's creepy old dirty hand tapping on her desk and then she goes off at him and scares him away because she's hallucinating and then her nose begins to bleed and i thought it was going to be like one of those horror movie like trickles down the face but no she has like a vomit cannon but for blood and she like head to neck sprays her boss in it like this is again a comedy movie um he then says maybe she should go home and Stu steals all the work that she's been doing on this special deal that's going to guarantee her promotion. Now with the wind, that's not the creepy wind, the, the metaphorical wind, firmly upper, she goes to the old woman's house. And when she gets there, a young lady answers the door, who is the old lady's granddaughter. And she tells Christine, oh, you used to be fat, didn't you? I can always tell. And it's like, this is not relevant. I thought this was going to be like the opposite of thinner, like just the curse would cause her to like gain weight and that would be horrible for her. But... No, it just never becomes relevant. 
Anywho, she invites her in to ostensibly see her grandmother, but what she stumbles into is the wake for the old lady, who I guess dropped dead last night for reasons. Uh, this whole house is full of like cackling crones and people playing the violin and stereotypes. And uh, when she gets to the coffin, she immediately slapstick falls onto the body and then rolls over and the body's like sucking on her chin and then vomits a load of green juice on her face. Because comedy. The granddaughter then says she can't fix the curse and that Christine deserves everything that's coming to her so she can get fucked. Then Christine leaves. She goes back to see the CM and he says that she is being stalked by a Lamia, which is a spirit summoned by g-word racial slurs a lamia is like lamia is something that exists it is described in lots of different ways but mostly is part of like greek folklore so they just kind of pulled that word as a creepy sounding word i guess um he then tells her that she needs to get rid of the button basically uh he well he doesn't tell her to get rid of it he just says that that whatever it is is coming for the owner of the cursed object okay the button and she doesn't immediately say, oh, sweet, so I can get rid of it and give it to Stu, right? That is saved for the 11th hour at the end of the movie. We just blow right past this bit of information. He instead says, do a blood offering to appease the spirit. And she says that she's a vegetarian. And she works at, like, a shelter for animals and she would never kill an animal. And he says, well, you'd be surprised what you do when the devil has his hand around your ankles. So here's a book on animal sacrifice just for when you change your mind which she does alarmingly quickly. So she heads home, and the Lamia chases her around the house for a little bit, and we see its little cloven hoofs under the door, because that's not silly at all. And uh, I thought it'd be great at this point, because I was kind of daydreaming, like, what would be a better plot for this movie? I thought it would be good if she didn't directly give the button to somebody, but maybe it had fallen into the folder of work, which Stu had then taken, and that she would go into work and be like, hey, you stole my work and my idea, and he'd be like, oh, actually, it's my idea, and she wouldn't be able to disprove that and would lose her temper and be like, fine, just take it, and then he would be cursed, because then she isn't the bad guy, she hasn't directly given him the curse on purpose, he did it by being a dick. That's not what happens. While being chased by the Lamia, she's just like screaming and crying and trying to call Roger, but he's not picking up. He has better things to be doing at work, I'm sure. And shadow hands start reaching for her and throwing her around the room. They break a really nice looking wardrobe. And she's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to kill my own cat, which is a big leap to take. So if, if that was me and someone was like, do an animal sacrifice, I'd be like, oh, OK, cool. I'll go and buy a live chicken or maybe some rats at the pet shop or see if someone's getting rid of some guinea pigs. I would not take my own animal, which I love and care for and keep in my home and is a part of my family, and slit it open with a butcher knife after only 45 minutes of consideration. But she does. She, she kills the cat and then buries it in the garden and then covers for its disappearance badly. So after we hear the sounds of cat murder and she's buried it and Roger's found her burying it and she's lied about it badly, uh, he says maybe they should postpone dinner with his family that hate her, but she's like, nah, I'm not cursed anymore, let's go do this shindig. So she gets all dressed up and they take a cake, go to the house, everyone seems to be being very mean to her, like the dad's kind of distant or whatever, but the mum is just a real peach. 
But uh, they sit down to dinner and after a frosty start, it seems to be going quite well. Christine is kind of pressured into talking about how her mum's an alcoholic. And in coming clean about that, uh, it seems like Roger's mum starts to respect her a little bit. They're very complimentary of the really ugly cake she brought. So it's going well until it's not. Christine starts to hear the creaking and then she hears the crackling and then an eye pops out of her slice of cake and looks at her. So she stabs it with a fork and bun pus goes everywhere and she starts freaking out and then the fork vanishes, which I thought was a pretty good scare. I feel like if you wanted to do this film seriously, it would start out with little things like that. You would do something and then that thing wouldn't be done and you'd be like, but where was that thing that I was just holding? you'd be starting to like lose your mind and become unbalanced but this just goes balls to the wall worm vomit in face immediately so the fort vanishes we hear loud noises that only christine can hear she's like clamping her hands over her ears and freaking out then she chokes on a bite of cake and a fly comes out of her mouth which is very off-putting to everyone else at the table christine then flips out screaming she throws a glass at the wall her good impression has just been ruined. <laughs> like, this relationship is not salvageable. Uh, and so she leaves and goes to see the seer again. He tells her plan B is to talk directly to the spirit and see if they can get it to go away. Even though we already know that she can give the cursed item to somebody else. Why was this not plan A? Anywho, tomorrow is apparently now the third day. I don't know where, like, she was meant to have three days. Are we not still on day two? Where did the end of the second day happen i'm confused uh but there we go he, apparently by the time the sun comes up on the third day she 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 gonna get dragged to hell the seer says that he can get someone to help her to talk to this spirit directly but he is gonna need 10k in cash is that gonna be a problem so she goes to her boss and says you know that promotion i don't have yet can i have an advance against it and then he tells her that her big career-making deal has fallen through because the client got snapped up by another bank. So it's pretty clear that Stu took her work and her information and gave it to a competitor to ruin her deal. So he's going to get the job and she isn't. So that's unfortunate. She goes home and like puts a flute and a cordless drill and a watch into a bag and goes to the pawn shop. They give her nearly £4,000 or dollars dollary dues which seems quite generous and uh she comes home and cries and eats ice cream because that's not enough to pay for this mysterious help that she needs but roger then turns up and says i have paid this guy so you can do this thing because i know it's important to you which i don't know how he knew that she needed the money because we don't see her tell him also when he then drove her somewhere i thought he was just placating her until he could get her to some sort of institution but no, he straight up drives her to the agreed upon location, which is the big house slash church from the start of the movie. And we see the medium who was in that opening scene as well. It was implied by that opening scene that she would be an important character. Spoiler alert, she is not. She's in like two scenes. She says that she's been waiting all this time to like reconfront this evil. So I guess it's grudge match time. The house has been built on the special place, which is a doorway between worlds, so she should be able to bring the spirit out so they can talk to it. And the idea is that it will go into her. Then Christine should put the medium's hand on the goat that they bring in. There's a goat. Wait for it. And then when they kill the goat, the spirit will go with it and she won't be in trouble anymore. Obviously, that's going to go off without a hitch. Let's see, shall we? 
They bring in the goat and the ceremonial machete. Uh, they try and do this, but it doesn't go well because the spirit goes into the medium and then into the goat, which talks. There's a puppet. Then the goat attacks this random guy who's helping them and then he gets possessed and starts throwing shit around and there's just another lengthy throw fest. He then tells Christine that he doesn't want her cat and then vomits up a CGI kitten. We don't see this cat again, I don't think, but I choose to believe that the cat lived and is fine and was not, say, something that they just pulled out of their ass for that one horror scene shot and then forgot about. The medium then manages to banish the spirit, but dies, because she's not important. So that was 10k well spent. The seer then tells Christine as if she needed telling, which apparently she does because she's stupid, that it's not over. That that was just the, the spirit from the seance that was banished and not the real thing. The real thing is still out there. It's evil and it's coming for her. So she needs to get rid of the cursed object. Wow, I wish someone had told her that sooner. So she's told that she has to gift it to someone and then they will be taken to hell and they will burn for all eternity. Fun. So she gets into the car with Roger and drives away with the button in a white envelope. However, they then sort of stop the car abruptly and paperwork goes everywhere and she thinks she's lost it but then finds the envelope. She doesn't even look inside it to make sure the button's still there. But with an envelope, she leaves the car and goes to a diner and she kind of casts around for someone to give this cursed button to. And she sees an old man on oxygen. I don't really know why this makes sense to her because although he obviously doesn't have long left to live, that still doesn't mean he deserves to burn for all eternity. Like, killing someone isn't even really the bad part of this. It's what happens after that. But she sees him with his wife and is like, no, oh, I can't do that to him. So she calls Stu and is like, Stu, I know what you did. Come to the diner. When she confronts Stu when he arrives, he cries and is generally a pathetic weasel. So she can't bring herself to give him the button. And he leaves. She then sees the old woman's obituary in the paper and having an idea, asks the seer if she can give this thing to someone who is already dead. And he says, yeah, that shouldn't be a problem. So she gets in the car and drives off towards the cemetery in the night. She gets attacked by the CGI handkerchief again. Ding, ding, around two. The lacing. It like whiffles on the windscreen and she wipes it away with the windscreen wipers. And then it whiffles in through the radiator vent of the car and somehow gets into the car's air conditioning system and jumps out at her. There's a lengthy fight scene with the handkerchief. Anyway, so she arrives at the cemetery. She digs up the grave of the old lady. This is a very impressive grave with a great big marker. Some of that money could have gone to pay for her mortgage. I'm just saying. She also seemed to have a pretty big family at her wake. Why were they not helping her out? Are they the real villains of this story? Anywho, she, she digs up the body, cracks open the coffin, and then mud wrestles with the corpse a little bit. Like, it's just a woman in a hole, which is full of very slippery mud, slowly filling up with water, mud wrestling with a dummy. It's stupid. She officially gives the button to the woman, like, shoves it into her mouth and then kicks her in the jaw, which is disrespectful. You're trying to get uncursed, not more cursed. Uh, and then she tries to climb out of the grave, but can't because it's all slippy. She bobs around in the hole with the corpse for a little bit and then manages to get out. We see the sun rising behind her, the rain starting to wash her clean, and then it cuts to her being washed clean in an actual shower, which is kind of an okay trend. I wasn't mad about it. 
She gets the news via phone message that Stu went to her boss's house and tried to pin the whole leak scheme on her. And her boss didn't fall for it, so he now knows Steve is bad news. And the promotion's hers. This guy seems fickle as hell. I wouldn't want to work for him. She then goes to meet Roger at the train station, where only good things can happen, I'm sure. She stops at a shop on the way and buys a, a new coat to replace the one with the missing button. And when Roger comments on this, she's like, oh yeah, I threw the old one away. I never want to see it again now that everything is fine and I'm not cursed. What's that in your hand, Roger? Yeah, he has the button. The envelope that she had is the one with the coin in it that she gave to him. So she gave that to the old lady instead, and, and he has the button. Apparently that doesn't mean he's cursed, though, because she instantly falls off of the platform and gets dragged to hell right before she gets hit by a train. So you win some, you lose a few. And then we see Roger's stunned, tear-covered face as he just looks down at her being sucked into a hole in the ground. And then the movie ends. So my issue with this movie, aside from the racism, a big aside from that, is that it is kind of mismarketed. So I went into this expecting it to be the scariest movie of the decade, or at least a scary movie. And what I watched was scary movie, no A, uh, mixed with a little bit of The Conjuring. So there's bits that are generally quite creepifying. There's some interesting plot elements that I feel like they could have done a bit with. With a little bit of tweaking, this could have been like a serious horror movie. Or, with a bit more tweaking, it could have been a comedy movie. But it cannot be both, and it's weird that it tried to be both, and was only marketed as scary and not funny. It is, like, well shot, the production values are pretty good, the CGI is a bit dated now, but it was a while ago that this got made, so I'm, I'm not mad about it. And, you know, it's not stupidly written, like, the dialogue's mostly okay, it's just these weird slapstick bits that they've shoved in for no reason that made very little sense. Because the last thing you want when you've had, like, a tense scene when you're watching a woman struggling to scrape together enough money to save her literal soul and life, it is a sort of slapstick comedy scene which uh, I didn't mention when I was doing my read-through of the plot, but when she goes to get the cordless drill, which she's going to pawn for a ludicrous amount of money, the old lady, like, ghost, attacks her, and she sees an anvil hanging over the old lady's head. So she severs a rope, the anvil comes down and crushes the ghost and sprays its eyeballs into her face. Like a particularly gory moment from Winely Coyote. It's bizarre, and it completely ruins all the desperate tension that was in the scene previously. It makes very little sense. So I'm not so much mad at the movie as I'm mad at the advertising for the movie, and also the fact that it doesn't seem to know what it wants to be. Is it a horror comedy, or is it a horror movie? It's trying to be both, and if it is meant to be a horror comedy, I didn't find it funny. So, unfortunate. If there are other movies you'd like me to have a look at, don't forget to drop recommendations into the comments section on YouTube, or you can get in touch on Instagram or Twitter, uh, on Instagram at witchfixpodcast, on Twitter at witchfix, or you can always message me by email, which I do check on a monthly basis, nearly. In the meantime, I'll see you in the next episode. Bye!